0: Dr. J.P.B. Gerald, we talk about, uh, we seek justice for the racially, neurologically, and linguistically minoritized. So, uh, today we're going to talk, and by we I mean I, I'm going to talk about something that just sort of keeps happening. And that thing that keeps happening is um, people making excuses for racism. And in this case, I mean saying, specifically saying, or doing racist things, but almost exclusively I'm talking about saying racist things, and using either neurodivergence or mental illness as an excuse for why they did it, and in the same breath saying that they are not racist. So, um, the, the particular impetus for this is the author, what is her name, um... Kate Corain. I don't want to really bring her up, but you know, it, she, whatever. Kate Corain. She was a first-time author who had a, a big publishing deal, much bigger than any of the deals that I've received so far. And her book was going to come out this year. And then in November, late last year, in November, December, it was clear from her postings that she had spent considerable effort review bombing. And for those who don't know, that's just writing a bunch of negative reviews on uh, authors' books, on Goodreads, for authors of color. Not exclusively authors of color, but mostly authors of color um, who either were debut authors or most of them weren't as famous as she was or whatever. Was she saying racist things? No. But the trend was clear, and uh, everyone found out. Not only did she get caught because people tracked her... Uh, posts because the internet is pretty easy to track folks but also she created a fake text thread where she was texting a friend who did not exist uh and the friend was saying if this get comes out uh it's going to seem like you're racist right because in this she was trying to deny that she was doing it and she's saying that like she was pretending that she noticed that this was happening to review the review bombing but that she wasn't doing it. And their friend was saying, it's going to seem like you're racist. So she had an awareness that this was a, um, a racist thing to do. And, you know, this is an interesting thing, this particular thing, because it's it's an, evide- it's an evidence. It's an example of the way that systemic racism works, right? Because this is not saying the N-word or anything like that. Nobody mentioned race here explicitly, um, but it's racist, more so than something I'll talk about later, like the Amy Cooper thing, in a, in a really systemic way because she knows that it's so easy for authors of color to have their careers derailed by negative reviews that she was playing upon this and therefore hoping that the people who might have checked their books out, because again, these are not super famous people, so these are people who are going to rely on word of mouth and good reviews to get their books purchased, Um You know, she knows that the power of these negative reviews could really screw these people up. And she really thought that it would help her. Now, that's a little bit naive. And in fact, now that this all came out, not only has her career been destroyed, she'll always be associated with this. um, Not just the doing of it, but the dishonesty. But then, of course, all these people's names were, you know, floated to the top um, and perhaps may receive more, um, more benefit financially in the long run. Even if it was very stressful, and some of them had to leave social media because of what was happening, you know, it, it's 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 a shame. And I I always worried about this. I worry about this with my next book because it's going to be bigger than my last book because nobody really cares about academic books. So if you don't like an academic book, well, if a tree falls in the forest, etc. With my next book, it you know I made it a little bit less strident than my work tends to be. We'll see what the editor thinks. She has it right now, but. Um, This is the kind of thing that I worry about, right? Not that I think my work is particular. It's like the best work in the world, but I do think that there's a value in it, and I worry about someone doing something like this because they have some issue with me. And I'm not saying, whatever, focus, Justin. So the thing is, this is really, the problem is that when she got caught, she sort of, she lost her contract. She went away for a month. And then the Daily Beast interviewed her, shamefully to basically give her a chance to um, make excuses. And she said she was dealing with substance abuse. I I certainly don't doubt that. Uh, She was dealing with mental illness. The substance abuse was, like, self-medicating. And she was dealing with neurodivergence. There was medication issues. She was mixing this and that, right? So there's a few things going on here. This feels reminiscent of Amy Cooper, who basically said she was really stressed out, but I'm not really racist when I threatened to call the police on you on camera. And it reminds me of Roseanne, right? Remember Roseanne Barr? She basically lost her the second half of her career because she said some racist things and then blamed it on her medication, right? Now, medication is not the same thing as mental illness, and mental illness is not the same thing as neurodivergence, and so on. Amy Cooper didn't necessarily say she had mental illnesses, but she did say she was undergoing stress. We were all undergoing stress in 2020, blah, 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 blah. That's what she was saying. So anyway, can mental illness make you racist? Um, to me, it really comes down to, and I, the fact that I'm entertaining this question, you're like, Justin, what are you talking about? Just just listen to me for a second. Um, it really comes down to what we mean by is racist, Right. Can it turn you from someone who loves a group of people and supports them into someone who's an avowed hater of them? No. But I don't think any of these people are saying that, right? Especially because none of them actually said like full on slurs. They, however, with the exception of Roseanne who did appear to be addled, I mean, I don't doubt that she's racist, I just mean like in the moment she was clearly messed up on something. Um, They were in their right mind enough to execute a plan, right? Especially this Kate Karain person, where it was a lot of things and the pretending that somebody else was talking to her and all this stuff that they knew would benefit from the barriers that already exist in the system, right? So this is a knowledgeable person, right? And maybe deep down, and she's not gonna admit this, she's one of those people who thinks that with the way people care a little bit but not really a little bit more about racism these days that authors of color are going to get an extra push you know those people who think like the the people who have the the hardest time now are white men right and maybe some you know anyway so mental illness cannot make you racist right can it lower your filter so that you say things or do things that are perceived as racist or, or that uh contribute to racism, I guess. Right? Um but that's not really what these people are saying. They're using that as an excuse, but it's very clear that this wasn't a lower your filter situation, right? It was a plan. You know? So that's nonsense. And then can neurodivergence, you know, make you someone who says racist things? Again, are there neurodivergent racist people? Of course. Um, but I don't think that they are that because of their neurodivergence. Now, there's a concept within neurodivergence, and that's not just ADHD, not just autism, and, and any of these things where we have, I guess, sort of a, they call it justice sensitivity, right, where if we think something is unjust or unfair, it's really hard for us to go along, just go along with it. We'll resist it. I can tell you a lot of stories about me just like this doesn't make any sense so I'm not going to do it which like sometimes you really get in trouble doing that sometimes you just go along with it but it feels wrong, right? And the point I make in my book about it is that like this can lead especially for us if we are neurodivergent people of color to push hard against racism it can be a true benefit and I've found that a lot of the people who I know who've pushed against racism who are white have some sort of neurodivergence because they see that they're sort of out of step with general things and so on but justice sensitivity and anti-racism are not the same thing. They can often coincide. But again, if you are raised, because a lot of this is your socialization, raised in a community where you think take things very literally, right? And if you're someone who, for example, I'm not talking about neurodivergence here, who thinks that... It's just unfair that people aren't being judged on objective merit, right? And then you'll use that to justify, we should adhere to standardized tests. We should, you know, continue with the way the system works because it's, you know, more objective and therefore we shouldn't do things to increase diversity and all that. You can very easily be someone who's very rigid and neurodivergent and support racist things, even if you don't think that what you're doing is racist. I have no idea how to measure what percentage of neurodivergent people are like clan members or something like that. I can't imagine it's, I imagine it's lower than the general population, but how would I know that? But I'm not talking about that. These are not. That's not what this is, right? This is someone who probably votes liberal to some extent. I don't actually know her voting record, but Amy Cooper certainly did, um, and had a moment or a plan or a period where they needed to use the system to their benefit. I'm sure it's happened at other times in their life, but they, they really needed to do this. Um, Amy Coomer obviously was a moment rather than a uh, a, you know a a longer term plan but you get what I'm saying and it's interesting that all these people are women I don't know if I have anything to say about that Um, I wonder if not being a man means that you know they think they're going to get away with it maybe they're not going to be as suspected right you know people don't necessarily expect that much from white men uh, which is a shame But anyway, so the point is, I think when you commit an act of harm, and I'm not really talking about like abuse or crime or whatever, because that's a little bit more complicated, but just an act of harm, usually something like this, where you're just sort of doing something mean, right? Because that's what this is, mean and um, oppressive, you know, whatever mental health issues or neurodivergence, which are not the same thing, but they often coincide, that you have clearly has an impact on these things having occurred for you to pretend that if you are, if you have ADHD or autism or, or, um, you have bipolar, uh, disorder or you borderline, whatever, any of these things, right. Or depression, that it's not going to have an impact on everything you do to some extent is silly, right? It will shape it to some extent, but you know, I think it's obviously a lot more likely that one of two things is happening, and I'm not inside these people's heads, so I can't predict. Either you are just selfish, and the selfishness, I think, is absolutely something that can be exacerbated by your mental state, be it neurodivergence or mental illness, right? So you're selfish, And you know enough to know that this is the thing that will have the biggest impact, right? And I think that has nothing to do with, you know, you get what I'm saying. Like, you know that if I do this thing, I will benefit. And that's all I care about. And your anxiety and whatever could be contributing to that need to just step on other people's toes, right? Because you think if I don't do this, I'm not going to have what I want, right? And that's a very... It's not good, but it's, it's also not a complicated human thing, right? Humans do that all the time. Um, that has nothing to do with it. So, again, that neurodivergence mental illness can exacerbate that, but that's not the reason for that. Humans being selfish is, you know, animal stuff. Uh, or you, like every person, including people of color, were raised in a racist world. You've absorbed some of these ideas, and they come out in times of stress so you're either deliberately using these things that you are either indifferent towards or don't even believe although i find it hard to believe that you are all doing this and you feel so bad about it i think people i think these people are probably they vote liberal and they don't really care, but they think it's the right thing to do to some extent unless it affects their livelihoods. And then when their livelihoods are affected, they look out for themselves, like a lot of people, right? And everybody does to some extent. So they're indifferent or they don't care that much. And then when the, when the chips are down, they do this regardless. And then that thing that, when, when the chips are down, what, what qualifies as the chips being down can be exacerbated by mental health issues or neurodivergence because you might be more anxious right? And therefore, when things aren't down, because this woman seemed like she was going to have every success, she was probably just being really anxious. I'm sure that substance abuse didn't help. And she went on and did all of this, right? So this is a person who doesn't really care that much about race one way or another, which is true for a lot of people, and particularly for white people, right? Um, in fact, the biggest problem is that people don't care, less the people being super angry about, you know, avowed racists. Um, and these are really their benefit. And the, the trigger for this the, the, the switch might be more easily triggered because of neurodivergence and mental illness. This does not mean people who are neurodivergent or mentally ill are more racist. I just mean the, this, the system is so racist that a lot of the ways to get ahead increase racism. And you're just like, I think I'll use that path. Or you're someone, like I said, who's raised in a racist system and deep down you got some of these things in there, right? And, you know, when you're stressed, or, you know, you're having sensory overload if we're talking about neurodivergence, right? Then something comes out that you don't spend time thinking about, but it's in there, right? That could be true of anybody. But again, for us, the whole thing about neurodivergence is we tend to be sensitive in one way or another, and I don't mean sensitive in a good way. I mean, it's not good or bad, it just is. And if we are having sensory overload, we might you know, get really upset. And in being really upset, something below the surface might come out. Right? So, that's the only way that I think it's connected. But I want to talk about the harm that this does. Because first of all, when people only bring up mental health issues or neurodivergence, which again, are not the same thing, but often people bring them up at the same time, when bad things happen, then you know, that's what people who aren't part of the community or don't know anyone in the community think, that these are just things that cause bad things. If you don't know someone who's neurodivergent, you don't know someone who's mentally ill, you think that this is a thing that's bad, right? This is a thing that causes harm, you know? So if you hear that your child might be, you're like, I'm not going to help them with that because they can't be because that would be someone who does bad things. Right. Part of the reason that it took me so long to, you know, even consider that I might have mental health issues and/or neurodivergence was because of, like I said, very many times the depictions I saw. But this sort of thing contributed to it too. Right. I think that, and this is probably something people think of me, but they don't necessarily tell me although I have been told this before that if you bring that up a lot then when something happens and you point to it people think you're just making excuses and I admit that sometimes I probably have been right? I'm not talking about I'm not saying racist stuff but like there have been times when I'm like well I've got anxiety so I don't have to do X, Y, and Z right? and frankly and I'm going to get into a broader thing about this I've the book I'm writing has some pretty you know painful stories about experiences in school but you know I also write about how we we as pe- especially people of color know that we don't really have a choice to some extent but to keep it together right I think about all of the articles during the let's just call it the acute stage of the pandemic that were about um, how it was so hard on mothers. I'm not saying it wasn't, but these articles were almost always about white women, right? This isn't to say it wasn't hard on women of color, but a lot of the time, the women of color were still in the office because they had jobs where they couldn't work from home. And this has been true for a lot of things. Like when I think back to the way people talk about you used to be able to buy a house on one income. That's true. But black women have been working outside of the home for centuries. I mean, that's literally why they forced us over here was to work. So, you know, I bring all this up to say that there is a feeling that's communicated sometimes by your parents, sometimes by your institutions that, you know, get over it, right? And that's harmful. It is because you can really push things down and mess yourself up. But on the other hand, like, you know, um, I just know that that uh, for a lot of us and the people I interviewed and, and the people I've talked to that the depiction of neurodivergence and mental illness but I'm now shifting more to talk about neurodivergence obviously is a bit tiresome I guess now that I'm firmly Established in neurodivergence and writing a book about it and all that and I go onto threads and for reasons that I don't quite understand threads has become a place that is pretty neurodivergent friendly, maybe it's just the corner of it that I'm in. Um, I used Twitter slash X, the the artist formerly known as Twitter, to build up the neurodivergent community originally, but that was a lot more white neurodivergent people. Um, But I do notice a stark difference. Uh, between and this is not a scientific study but you know or sorry it's not a quantitative study but I do notice a difference is that people of color who are neurodivergent do talk about the struggles but we also talk about just the idiosyncrasies and so forth and they're just for reasons that I don't quite understand and maybe I'm being unfair here but whatever the social media for white neurodivergent people is extremely dramatic I'm not saying our lives aren't dramatic, Um, and obviously I have let's just call them low support needs. Um, But like, you know, it's it's only white neurodivergent people who I hear saying there shouldn't be any deadlines at all, right? And like, if you talk to people in the neurodivergent community, like that wouldn't work for all of us. It might work for you, right? saying there shouldn't be any grades at all. I don't love letters, and I don't necessarily love numbers. On the other hand, if you are a student and you would like to know how well you did on something, I should probably tell you in some capacity, right? There should be some version of assessment. What should it be? Depends on the context, et cetera. There are people who really don't like tests. I don't think that high-stakes tests are very useful, but with certain things like, Good. okay, great, But then how do you know how well you did, right? I'm not saying that all the standard stuff is good. But I I used to think that I didn't like any tests or anything. And then the more I learned about education, I realized that the problem was the way these things were constructed. Let me take a detour here, as I always do. So right now, there's a lot of schools going who rescinded their standardized test requirements uh, for getting into college and grad school, going back to it, right? The big story was Dartmouth. Dartmouth is reinstating its SAT requirement. SAT, by the way, do you know it stands for nothing? And I don't mean that as a sort of cheeky joke. I mean, it literally doesn't... It's not an acronym anymore, just like ESPN and MTV. These things don't stand for anything. Ha <laughs> ha no, but like literally. Um, it used to be Scholastic Aptitude Test, right? Which theoretically implies that it's supposed to be how well you, your aptitude, right? Uh, but now it doesn't mean that. Now, that's a trademark thing, but also one of the things I pointed out in my first book is that really what the SAT is measuring is your achievement, both on the test and in school. And so what Dartmouth is finding is that they say things like rescinding the requirements means that a lot of lower income students would not apply because the ones who were excelling on standardized tests thought that the rest of their extracurriculars were not imp- impressive enough, so they just didn't apply. To me, that sounds like Dartmouth needs to put more effort into recruiting these students, <laughs> instead of just like, ah, we'll just put the test back. Right, I just like, I see what you're saying, but the, the solution does not seem just required. I don't necessarily I'm requiring it, I just think it, you know, it should be a very small part of the consideration, is my point. Um, anyway. And also, they don't have that much data. I don't know. Um, but then other schools are saying. And then I, I remember I had a professor saying that. And and I've seen this a lot. And this is part of the argument is that standardized tests are a better predictor of college success, grades, graduation than high school grades, right? Probably because high school grades are very specific, and you know a teacher could simply like a student and give them high marks. This obviously happens. Whereas scholastic, sorry, it's not scholastic, SATs are supposed to be standardized nationally. But to me, that's again showing that the colleges are not supporting students who aren't well suited to the way the standard, uh, the SAT was created. The same thing with IQ and all this stuff, right? The schools need to do more for these students. Now, if the schools would admit, like honestly, we are not equipped to provide the level of support that a student with, let's, let, I don't like using these terms, but with high intellect, but not very high achievement on um, standardized tests would need in order to excel, then I'm not saying that's fine, but it would be more honest than saying, well, we just we should look at the numbers. I don't know. Right? Um, because I think that's the case. If they say they're not equipped, then they're admitting that they don't deserve uh, all the money they get from their alumni. Right? It would be embarrassing. But you see why CUNY and schools like that advertise that they they really should be the ones ranked higher because of the economic mobility because they are the schools that are trying to support students who regardless of their SATs are whether they can't afford or they can't be away from home because they need to support their families and so forth. And these are the ones who graduate from there and they are the ones who make a leap, right? The schools like Princeton and I I went there, right? These schools are, and I count myself among this, re-cementing people who are already accepted and excelling. And then they have a few tokens right? Mostly, I mean, economically, racially, but, you know. So, what does all that have to do with neurodivergence and racism? Well, the reason I made that whole five-minute detour is because um, I'm thinking about the way that neurodivergence is shown among races right so like i said the detour started because i was talking about when i go on threads the only thing i see and again this is what i see this is not uh, you can i could literally do a study on this if i wanted to but i don't have the time but like the only thing i see and and uh, on threads it is not the same as as uh, x or whatever where like i see people that i'm not following right so it's not just my own little corner right it's not like facebook um And um, and it's really just so much pleas for acceptance for things that we can't control. And I'm not saying that that's not valid or valuable. And I do understand that people curate their social medias, social media, media is already plural, whatever. Um, to represent what they would like to represent about themselves. And so there are people who are using threads, for example, just to talk about their neurodivergence. And frankly, that's most of what I talk about on there too. But please, for acceptance, I feel like it's part of the same issue as people... Using it as an excuse for doing harmful things. The people I'm following and talking to are not talking about harmful things, right? They're talking about whether they have like a meltdown in public, or, or you know, they're really struggling with time or whatever things that could be kind of irritating to somebody or potentially dangerous as far as a meltdowns concerned, dangerous to themselves, but like are not oppression, racism, that sort of thing, um, and. I do think that that, and I said this a couple of episodes ago, is part of why when someone, it's usually when a white person, usually a white lady, does something racist, you, you really get this as a knee-jerk automatic response. You know? And I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about the things that are difficult. Again, I wrote it in my book, but I am saying that, although people who are close to me do get frustrated with me sometimes, um, I am saying that we should be more thoughtful about our presences online because this is why people think that that's a good excuse. And then when we point out, when people use this as an excuse... And it's harmful, we are not understanding that we, and I'm not saying it's the same people, but I'm just saying, if I go on there and I point out that Kate Corrine did this and how it's harmful to people who are in the neurodivergent community, and people who have mental health issues, right? I, fine, but if the overwhelming things that I see, and I'm someone who's not just looking for that sort of acceptance, um, is people talking about how hard it is and how debilitating it is. And I'm not saying it isn't. I'm just saying if that's all that people see, then that's what they're going to use as an excuse. I'm not saying don't say that. I'm saying we got to say more than that, right? Um, am I blaming us? No. But like similarly, and I think black people listening to this would understand, people of color would listen to this and understand, if all we talk about is black people is trauma then that's the only thing people think about us right we know this we enough of us understand that we have to include black joy black humor right um and that fighting racism cannot just be a solemn dirge through pain obviously it's painful like if you stop to think about it it is extremely painful but, like, if we and – I, and I don't want to be someone who says we shouldn't ever talk about trauma, to be clear, especially men, where we don't talk about it, we suppress it, and then we take it on other people and so on. But um, I just want to be clear that we need to do better. I think that the neurodivergent community – first of all, the word is only 30 years old, right? Um, and we like to – we're inventing new words for neurospicy. I hate neurospicy. I'm sorry. But um, – the the word is new, right? So fighting racism is it's not old, but you know, we've been fighting this since this existed. Right? And we ebb and flow, civil rights movement, right? You know, Black Lives Matter and and black backlash and then whatever the next thing is and then a backlash and so forth. But like there 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 is a history of this. The neurodivergent community is new as a name the fact that it's one community is pretty new too um it's very white even though that's not true right but the 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 spokespeople are that um and so whenever you have a movement that's seeking respect but is led mostly by white voices uh, it's going to be led in a certain way, let's just say. And unless you take the time to do the work, um, like for example, I was doing this in October. Yeah, October. I was involved in these sort of Monday morning conversations on LinkedIn. I believe it was LinkedIn, yes, about neurodivergence among English teachers. And I was the only, it was mostly women, which is fine, um, in different parts of the world. And a couple of, and a lot of them mentioned their gender and how that impacted, you know, their late diagnosis. And like, I had to keep bringing up race, not because they were being racist, but because like, if I hadn't said it, it wouldn't have been discussed, right? Now, I'm not saying they should speak about racism from their own experiences, right? Because they don't have it. But I do think that, like, we, we need to be... There is no discussion of neurodivergence that, that, that doesn't include discussion of race, or there shouldn't be, right? And gender and all this stuff. But... Um, there are so many of us in the community who are not white. And if this country the United States that is, is basically half not white at this point, depending on how you define these terms, then half of the neurodivergent community is not white. Yet, I want you to think about what percentage of people you know who have either a diagnosis or an open identification as neurodivergent who aren't white, right? Unless you are yourself one of these people, in which case obviously you're an exception so am I. Um, and I also want you to think about the fact that when these things are discussed, you know, the, 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 the drama floats to the top. Now that's just social media algorithms, right? If you say I had a really nice day today, no one is liking that. (laughs) I had a really nice day today and I also have ADHD, right? So then even the positive stuff. About neurodivergence is never just mundane positive stuff. It's got to be superpower, right, which I hate. Um, I, I I do use hyper focus, right as a word, flow, you know, rhythm, right? I call it the the bullet train, obviously. Um, and I do think we can if you know. A superpower is something that you can just do, right? If you could fly, you would just fly. Right? It's not like It's not like Superman. I mean, he technically needs the sun, but like it's not like Superman needs to be given a whole lot of support so that he could fly. Right? Superpowers or superheroes are people who can do what they do and they have limited weaknesses right kryptonite whereas we need the right context and support in order to access our you know specific abilities and that's why i think the superpower is not useful so my point is the only thing people hear about these things is like we're either so bad at this or so bad at that or we're so good at this or so good at that and I think both of these things are a problem because if you say, if you, if you hear, oh, they're so good at this, then why can't you just do that, right? You know, when we are able to be super this or super that, and then we're unable to do something that people think is simple, then, you know, it's, it's frustrating. It's part of the reason I wrote the book and I wrote, spent a lot of time on aspects of it that people don't realize are tied to neurodivergence. Um, but, you know, that's where I wanted to get you with this, is to really tie in to why we know it's harmful because it's the only thing people think about us is that we're doing bad things. Like, if you're not part of this and you're seeing this from the outside the only things you see about neurodivergence, ment- mental illness is a whole other, much bigger thing. Um, I don't know that I need to explain to you why the depictions of mental illness in the media are both exclusionary in the sense that even if you're not doing something ridiculous, it's still usually white, or um, harmful in that like every you know every every super is crazy, right? um in quotation marks i'm not using a word that way and so we know that there's a lot of literature on that on the grotesque right i know grotesque is physical but it's also not right um but on the neurodivergence aspect which is now becoming that i think that's what we're seeing it's it's just this extreme dichotomy and that there's only three things that ever show up with neurodivergence in social media and in the media in general There's super amazing nerd boy, usually a white boy, like Sheldon Cooper, right? Um, Or the others on shows like that. Um, Or, whoa, they can't handle a basic thing. They're melting down. Or sensory overload. Or, why can't they remember anything? Um, Or, oh, they just did something racist. (laughs) And... For the association with the first two, although the depiction is usually white, it's not necessarily racist for the, that dichotomy between superpower and super struggles, right? Um, that can happen to any of us. It's a problem, but when I tell you that the overwhelming whiteness of the depiction of the community leads to the third part which is using it as an excuse for racism is that if you're using neurodivergence as an excuse for racism you are implying that there aren't people of color who are neurodivergent right so if you're saying my neurodivergence led to this racist thing i did why does not ours right not saying we can't be racist but you know what i'm saying we can't do racist things So, I would like to know that. Right? It's true for mental illness, too. Why doesn't our mental illness lead us to be racist? And then you realize that it is the whiteness and, this is, and the, the culture around it. That's a little bit harder to understand, and it's not a cute little excuse. Right? Because to me... I wish if people would be honest, I think it would be so much better. You could still even include the excuse part if you frame it differently. So, Amy Cooper, she could have said, instead sort of saying, I'm not racist, uh, no, no. but like she said, she could have said, look, I was really stressed out. We'd all been locked down for three months. And what I did was I tried to use the system to scare him and get him away from me. And I fully understood that that could have been dangerous. And, you know, I deserve whatever punishment I receive. That wouldn't have made it okay, but it would have been honest. Um, and then the second thing with, with this Kate Curran person, first of all, you start with an admittance of, of, of fault, of intent, because you don't do that for that long without intent. Um, but I think she could have said, look, I was really insecure and anxious about how well my book would do. And frankly, Uh, When I saw authors who were potentially going to um, siphon away some of my sales, I realized that it would be pretty easy to lower their sales by, um, you know, review bombing them. And I also kind of knew whether I knew it consciously or subconsciously, that it would be easier to impact them if they were authors of color. But you no one's ever gonna admit to that. Because here's the thing, I think part of the reason people are always trying to say they're not racist is because some of the racism stuff is subconscious. We wanna say implicit bias, it's not implicit, but it might be subconscious, right? I don't know that she specifically went around saying, who's black? Because not every author's picture is out there, right? But I do think She probably knew, because some of their, like, it was like Chinese author, probably no Chinese name, right? That kind of thing. Um, you know, I do think that a part of her knew that it wouldn't work as well if the person was white. So, anyway, that's all I have to say. I hope you found this analysis interesting. I'll be back in two weeks with another interview. And yeah, uh, I hope that you enjoyed this and See you next time. See you. I'm not. What do I say? I don't. The reason that I just fade into the music at the end is because I don't know what to say at the end, and it's usually me talking to somebody, and I just cut off the conversation. So anyway, I'm just gonna fade into the music right.